People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Monday morning. How do you feel? Um, it's It's been a Monday morning so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys don't even know the amount of difficulties, but we're here and that is all that matters. So it's okay that the kids outside Julie's uh, apartment are having recess and there's construction the second we start recording for the seventh time in a row. Doesn't matter. We are here now and we're just going to put positive energy out there, right? That's exactly correct, I think. <laughs> I can already feel we have that weird energy that we sometimes have. I think it's probably just a result of the chaotic morning, but you know what? I kind of like that. Sometimes it's a little fun. Yeah. If it's not, I apologize in advance for it. I also apologize for any background noise you may hear, but we're just going to go with it today. Yeah, we do. we have to at this point. Listen, th- the topics today, we went last week from a Cara Lentz, Larsa Pippen, Bob Saget medley, which was a bizarre episode, but honestly so much fun. And this week it's a lot more mellow. So not every week can have, um, I don't know, can have high intensity topics. And I guess that's okay. Yeah. I do think every time we say this, we've been lucky thus far with the topics we've had considering what's going on. So I can't complain, but yes, not every week is going to be not every week is a Carl Lentz, Larsa Pippen. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Ain't that the truth? Okay. Should we just start? I No time like the present. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business. And this week it's called B-Love, B-E-E Love. And it's a company that utilizes honey in a bunch of different ways. So they have just plain honey, but they also have it in products like body bombs and sugar scrubs, et cetera. But I think the thing about this company that's the most special is the fact that they employ formerly incarcerated people kind of as a way to offer them a second chance, which as you know, so many times when people come out of prison, they are not given that same grace or given that same chance. So I really love the mission of this company. We got it sent to us a bunch of times. The website is belovebuzz.com and the handle is at belovebuzz, B-E-E, lovebuzz. Okay, Joel, shall we? We shall. So- Full transparency, the reason we wanted to record on a Monday morning was because we knew the People's Choice Awards were last night, and we kind of anticipated that there was going to be a lot to discuss. That was a wrong anticipation. They were relatively anticlimactic. We're going to talk about it. We'll list out some of the most notable moments. But I guess the way that I want to start it is Julie and I were in a group chat with Isabel and our friend Carly, and we were all kind of like 
is it just me or is this weird? And then someone's like, oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. And we kind of all had this collective moment of like, this is a little bit of an unconventional energy happening. It was, um, weird is quite literally the only way I can describe it. It was just plain weird. And the thing is, is that weird doesn't necessarily mean bad. In a lot of cases, it was weird because it was like, for example, Tyler, the creator coming out and introducing Tracy Ellis Ross was so amazing. But then when you contrast that with the other things going on the show, you're left with weird. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I think let's first highlight some of the moments that like made the most sense. For example, it made total sense that Tyler, the creator, was presenting Tracy Ellis Ross with Fashion Icon Award. Clearly, they have a really special relationship. I felt like his words about her were so authentic and real and you can tell he really admires her and I loved that right Mindy Kaling winning you know the people's choice comedy show that made sense even for example JLo winning the icon award it makes sense however Army Hammer being the presenter I know I understand that they're filming a movie together but to me that was the last person I was expecting we're coming off of Tyler the creator announcing Tracy Ellis Ross I was expecting it was going to be A-Rod or someone like that you know And by the way, and maybe I missed it, so I'll give the benefit of the doubt here, but if you are having somebody like ARMY come present, like, did they explain that all? Were they were like movie co-stars and and I missed it? Or they gave no explanation as to why ARMY was presenting her? I don't think so. Yeah, they're they're filming Shotgun Wedding together. It's co-produced by J-Lo and Ryan Reynolds. There isn't a release date yet, but to me, it definitely seemed like an intentional hype of the movie, which is fine and fair, but without context, it just kind of felt a little bit bizarre unless we're all like, do they have a secret friendship that none of us knew about? It was just so random. Also, you know, for JLo, she receives these beautiful tributes via Zoom, but all of a sudden you see Renee Zellweger in like a baseball cap and then Nicole Kidman and, and everybody was just kind of confused as to where it was coming from. There wasn't even... It didn't say that it was Renee Zellweger for the first like 30 seconds. I thought it was Robin Anton. I just felt like there were a lot of moving parts last night. Our debate here was Isabel thought it was Catherine Zeta-Jones and I thought it was Michelle Williams. How is that possible? That's what I'm saying. Like, how is it possible that everybody thought Renee Zellweger was a different person before they realized it was Renee Zellweger? I am. I have absolutely not one answer for you. Not one. Because what I wanted to say to E was like, I get it. Renee is unbelievably famous. However, your average person hasn't seen her in a baseball cap. So it took us a second. We're used to seeing her on a red carpet. Right. And also Zoom quality isn't the best. You could have put a little thing saying, and here's Renee Zellweger. Yeah. I don't know. There was just a lot going on. I have to say, though, Tyler the Tyler Perry won. I was going to say Tyler the Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Perry won the People's Champion Award, and he, as always, gave a really beautiful speech, but I loved this one line. He said, this is what I always want you to remember. Make sure everybody that you run into meets you at your worth. He's so, so great. Also, you were attracted to him last night, which has never happened. I just thought he looked really good. (laughs) He walked out, and me and Isabel both were like, okay, Tyler Perry. No, he did. He looked really good. I completely agree. Also, Demi hosted. I thought she did a good job given the circumstances. Like, what was she going to do? It was not at all her fault that it was there were so many different things happening. But she, for the first time, kind of made a nod to her engagement with Max when she said, you know, so much has gone on in quarantine. And she listed all these things. And she was like, I got engaged. I got unengaged. And I think at first, everybody was surprised that she was bringing attention to it. But like you said, like we were talking about earlier, she came out looking so graceful and and 
classy and elegant through all of this because the way that he portrayed himself was just so unappealing that like it makes sense that she would make a joke about it because nobody's laughing at her. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And the ability to laugh at yourself is so, so important, especially in a circumstance like that. So I was so happy to see her be able to do that. I felt the same way. I felt the same way. I was glad that she kind of just ripped the bandaid off. Yeah. Also performance wise, Justin Bieber performed, Chloe and Hallie performed. Those were probably my favorite parts of the night. Yeah, me too. I I mean, listen, you could have absolutely nothing going on for three hours. I could watch paint dry, but if you let me get a Justin performance, I will say it was the greatest night ever. So, you know. Yeah, it was great. I was just I, I was just happy that everybody else was as confused as we were. I gotta tell you, when Ellen DeGeneres walked out on stage. No, that was I thought I was being punked. Me too. And because it's a people's choice, right? So the people voted for her. However, it's just crazy that in the year with the most controversy about her show, she walks out and then of course she dedicated the entire speech to her crew, but everybody kind of had like the elephant in the room moment of like, how did this happen, you know? A hundred percent. It was very confusing. It was It was one of those things where you, when they're reading off the people and you're like, oh, Ellen is not about to get this. And then they call her name and you're like, shut the fuck up. Carly turned to me and she was like, what? I was like, I don't know. I thought it's, I think this is fake. I didn't believe it for a second. I know. I mean, not because her show isn't successful. Obviously it is, but it just, in the year that she received the most controversy about the workplace environment, it just felt a little surprising. But then again, you have to remember these are voted by the people. So I guess whoever has the most loyal following. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that must be what it is. what do you think about Machine Gun Kelly? I thought he looked great. You didn't? No, I did. People were very attracted to him. I mean, duh. Is the sky blue? I think I'm only attracted to him when he's standing next to Megan Fox, I realized. You think only? Strictly? Really? Are you sure? You're thinking Pete. No, I mean, I'm thinking always, but like specifically Pete, but specifically Megan. But like, I don't think he's only attractive when he's standing next to one of the two. No, I didn't say he's only attractive. I said I'm only attracted to. Okay. I think that there are other times where you would look at him and be attracted to him aside from that circumstance. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I'm I'm not guaranteeing. I'm not trying to tell you how to feel. I just think that there are other things that I could present. I think there's other evidence I could present you with to sway your opinion. You mean the fact that he's like 6'3"? Yeah, there's everything. It's all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, guys. It was kind of a bizarre night. I'm glad I watched it. Whether it's going to be an award show and we're not going to watch it, that feels sacrilegious. We would never do that. But, you know, it wasn't like the VMAs, but that's okay. It's what makes the world go around. It's a good thing to talk about, I guess. I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. First real piece of news for the day is the news of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' split, which I'm sure you've all heard by now, but after almost 10 years together, they've been engaged for seven years, never officially got married. They have two kids, a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. They have apparently split up. And according to People, they broke up at the beginning of the year saying, quote, it's been amicable and they've transitioned into a great co-parenting routine. The children are the priority and the heart of the family's relationship. I will just say we're going to get into a little bit of background because I think their story is actually really interesting, but we were both absolutely shocked by this. And I think everybody was. Nobody saw this coming. You don't. You never heard rumblings. You never heard anything, even in terms of people that we know that were a little bit more connected, did not see this coming. I know in Hollywood, the term stable couple is, is very open for interpretation, but that 
if I had a point to one, I would have considered them definitely a stable couple. I think there are a lot of celebrity couples who are incredibly well-known. Both parties are so, so famous, but there's just something about them where they fade into the back as a couple. There's not a lot of news stories about them. There is not a ton to talk about. They're just like kind of a quiet, stable couple. And to me, that was always them. So to hear that they're getting divorced, I was just shocked. I, I, yeah, it was the last couple I was expecting, I think. Yeah, I think that there are some couples, even A-listers, that we think of almost as like the picture of consistency. And even though they're really famous, they're not constantly being spoken about because they're just stable, which is such a rarity in Hollywood. I think about that with Eva Mendes and Ryan Gosling. Those are both A-list actors. However, yes, they're private, but I think also the stability of their relationship lends for not that active of a news cycle about them. You know, people like that. Even even Blake and Ryan, they're in the news a lot just because of their witty banter, but you never hear about rumblings in terms of their split. They seem like a very consistent couple. We even see it with, um, do you think it's fair what I'm about to say, Leighton Meester and Adam Brody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Quiet couple. I mean, their, their fame and the fascination with them really comes from their TV show personas and less about them as people. But yeah, again, like um, just a seemingly quiet, stable couple. But then again, the term stable in Hollywood is probably the most relative term that you can use. Exactly. Exactly. So, but this one really did shock me. Also, I had known this, but I forgot that they weren't officially married. It's almost like the Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani effect where you feel like they are. Kind oh, of I have sworn they were married. Yeah. I also have to say that while we're talking about couples that, you know, personify stability in Hollywood toss, I want to say, I'm going to throw this one out there early. They're very new. So they do not have that title yet. However, I think in a couple of years, we may feel that way about Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I could see that. Definitely. Those SNL men, I'll tell you. Now my mind is just going for other options. They're kind of like an Alicia Keys and Swizz Beats. That oh, is a really good call. Right? Like they are both incredibly famous, but they just exude the sense of stability where it's not that frequently discussed. And their marriage itself isn't always so frequently discussed because of that stability, which is kind of the original point that I was making. Whereas I think that even the most famous couple can fade into the background when their marriage doesn't seem to be the hot button issue. Exactly. Exactly. So they actually met, Olivia and Jason actually met at an SNL after party in 2011, which taking a page right out of Scarlett and Colin's book, that is a thing that we have learned. A lot of shit goes down at these SNL after parties. Let me just tell you. Uh, Haven't I been told? Yeah. (laughs) And five years later in 2016, Jason was interviewed by Stephen Colbert and he said, we hit it off that night. I actually came off looking a little cooler than I really am because I had heard through the grapevine through mutual friends who weren't exactly her best girlfriends who would report back. Oh, you know, I think she's dating someone. So I didn't make any moves. I was just very, very busy with other things. And next thing you know, I stopped being busy. She stopped dating someone. And then it was off to the races. So after they met at this SNL after party, they started officially dating in November of that year, November 2011. In 2012, reports start surfacing that they move in together. And in 2013, they were engaged. And they've been engaged that entire time up until now. But I think the thing about their story that people forget is that Olivia, before Jason, was married in 2003 when she was 19 years old to this Italian prince. And it was like a very random wedding. They were married on a school bus. There was a pair of witnesses. They ended up getting um, divorced in 2011. But her divorce from the guy that she married when she was 19 happened in 2011. 
Jason's divorce from Kay Cannon was finalized in 2010. So they both had very legitimate relationships before meeting and that ended right before they got together. Sometimes we talk about celebrity news and it sounds so unbelievably fake. Imagine telling somebody, right, who was not involved in celebrity news at all, that Olivia Wilde used to be married to an Italian prince from an aristocratic family and they got married on an abandoned school bus with two witnesses because no one was allowed to know about the wedding. That sounds real to you? (laughs) (laughs) No, it sounds literally insane. And that she was 19. But we say things like this with such casualty and then it's only after you say it where I'm like, we don't even blink at how weird these things are anymore. I know. No, I know. People, I, I really don't think that people are that familiar with their past. Again, it's very similar to what we were talking about when we were saying everybody forgets that Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett Johansson dated because their current relationships are so stable. You know what the best part was bringing up Scarlett Johansson and Ryan Reynolds was everyone took it a step back and they were like, if you think that you forgot about, remember Alanis Morissette and, and Ryan Reynolds dating. I, those pictures of them on those red carpets, like truly, truly, if I had some sort of a pop culture mini museum, I'd have to put one of those just because there's something about it that feels so like nostalgic. I so agree with you. I so, so agree with you. Anyway, so in 2016, Jason was on Watch What Happens Live and one of the callers called in and asked when he and Olivia were getting married. And he said, I mean, I believe we won't get married until weed is legal in every state, which like, funny. What an amazing answer. I know. She also spoke about them not being technically married. And she said, before you have a child, marriage is the ultimate commitment and promise to one another. And then once you have a child, it's like, oh, we're committed and promised already. Which I think just speaks to the fact that like, it doesn't technically matter. That's a personal choice. You can still have the same strength of that relationship without the official document. And I guess for me, at least them not being technically married does not make me any less shocked by this split. I still think it's a really big deal. No, definitely not less shocked. It's actually interesting when you look at, because I think there's a number of cases where you can even argue that them officially getting married, not the two of them, just other couples, um, could actually have been like the demise of their relationship. Like I always look at Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and wonder what would have happened if they never officially got married. Oh, totally. I know so many people in my real life who have been together for a really long time, but just never felt like the title of marriage was important. And I think that's just a very much a personal choice. And I think our society now is so much more accepting of that, you know, versus when, even when our parents were growing up, definitely when our grandparents were growing up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, your parents weren't going to get married, right? No, my parents, it was both of their second marriages. My mom was 39. They said, okay, if we get pregnant, we'll get married. And I, my mom, the wedding was in March and they had me in September. So she was technically pregnant at the wedding. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. They just figured like, hey, let's just have this life. You know, marriage can complicate things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we don't really have any other details on that. We haven't even heard any like inside scoop. I wish we had, Um, but we will definitely keep you guys posted. And I really like both of them. I'm very curious to see how this kind of manifests itself. Although I would have to imagine it will be handled respectfully. I just get that sense. Oh yeah. I would be shocked if anything else. Shocked. Think about it. According to the source, they've been separated since the beginning of the year, and this is only now the first we're hearing about it. For sure. I will just say, just because you know you can never be too sure, 
when we had initially, and I know I've said this before, but I just think it's a really important point. When we initially reported on the Elizabeth Chambers hammer and Army hammer split, we were floored. We couldn't believe it. We felt like they had this picture perfect relationship. And then two weeks later, as stuff started to come out, we're like, okay, maybe things were a little bit different than we had anticipated. She was liking those posts on the gossip sites. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen here. I'm just saying you really never know. You do never know. You're right. You can never be too sure. I would be shocked, but I've been shocked before. Haven't we all? (laughs) Want to move on to a little Britney update? Oh, I'd love to. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so as you guys know, we have been reporting constantly on the different legal battles with Britney Spears and her conservatorship. And most recently, on last Tuesday, an L.A. judge has declined Britney's application to suspend her dad as a conservator. So in court, Britney's attorney said that she's afraid of the father and that she will not perform again if he's in charge of her career. His attorney, the father's attorney, then told the judge that she doesn't believe there's a shred of evidence to support the suspension and strongly objected to Britney's lawyer's statements about her relationship with her dad it's been just really, really complicated. And basically, the dad is still staying on as a conservator. Her wish has not been granted. And the next court hearing on the matter is set for December 16th. So there's really no good news to perform. But I guess the most breaking news of all this is the fact that she came out and said, I will not perform, which we haven't heard her say, I don't believe, recently in writing. Yeah, the whole thing is is still so confusing. I mean, I obviously am confused by the fact that it seems like there's other people around her, like her mom, Jamie Lynn Spears is stepping up, you know, Jody Montgomery, who's in charge of the conservatorship now. So I guess my confusion, and I know you don't have an answer. I don't think anyone does is just, if there's other capable people around and this isn't about getting rid of the conservatorship period, it's about getting rid of her dad. Why isn't that able to happen? Right. And obviously I know absolutely nothing, but of course my mind goes to this like very cynical place of like, does her dad have some sort of a deal with the judge? And I'm not saying that's the case. I don't think I'm making any sort of accusation at all, but it just feels so off unless there's other information that we're just not privy to, which as we know is definitely partially true. Yeah. I mean, that has to be it. It has to be that there's other information that we're not privy to just because when you have a third party legal system, there has to be more to the story that we're not getting. 
you know, if there's an impartial judge or a hopefully impartial judge dealing with this case, then what is the information that is the disconnect here? Like, I, I just, I don't know, the whole thing is just crazy and, and definitely something that we will probably spend a very long time um, getting only bits and pieces of information about. I often wonder if one day Britney Spears will do a giant tell-all with like an Oprah or a Gail King or a Barbara Walters or Robin Roberts type situation, or if this is the type of thing where in 30 years time, we will be looking back and being like, wow, we still never got answers. You know, I, I deeply wonder about that constantly. And if you're listening to this and you've ever wondered that too, like take a second to check in with yourself to think about your stance on that because I don't have an answer. Yeah, no, I don't either. I yeah, I mean, I think you also have to wonder what Britney's capability in doing that even is, if that's something that she's able to do. I think that as time goes on, there will be more people that speak out, especially if her father ends up not being in the picture anymore. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are afraid to come forward while he's still involved. So I think that once he's removed, um, you'll definitely see more people going out. As her kids get older, maybe they'll come out I mean, very long down the road, but maybe they'll come out with information. This is going to be something because she is and was the largest pop star in the world. Her life has never not been the subject of fascination. Even with her not performing or touring anymore, we're still so fascinated by her life. So I think this is going to be one of those things where we're always fascinated by her. And as time goes on and on, we just keep getting little, little bits of information until we have a clearer picture, but I don't think we'll ever get the full story. I don't think we'll ever get the real, real, like behind the scenes stuff that we want to know. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I will say though, it's interesting when you bring up her kids, because you remember a couple of months back when her son went on live and immediately had to, it had to get taken down, but that was such a little peek into his world. And I wonder as the kids get older, as the kids turn 18, I don't know what's there with NDAs, et cetera, but part of it is just their lived experience, which they theoretically should be free to talk about. I wonder how that will play out. Like it's a, it's a new generation. And I don't think that her dad has the same control on the children that he has on her. So I do wonder about that. Well, that's the other conversation is not even Brittany related, just kids in general coming out and speaking about their famous parents because this is the first generation of kids that have really the access to social media to be able to do that. And, you know, you saw it with Mason on TikTok. You saw it with obviously Jaden when he went live. So as kids get older and their parents can't really keep them off of social media, they're they're inevitably going to give out some information that they weren't supposed to uh, via those means. So it will be really interesting to watch all of these celebrity kids grow up with social media and just to see how that impacts their parents and impacts them. Yeah. And also impacts the way that celebrity parents communicate in front of their children because you know, it's normal, right? When you're growing up that your parents don't want to say certain things in front of you because it's just adult conversation. But as you get to a certain age, you know, there are secrets that can be kept within the family. And I think also things that if they got out, it what's the biggest deal, right? It's a little bit of gossip. Whereas with celebrity parents, if something gets out, if, if their kid overhears them talking about their famous friend, like that could very well be talking about Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban's marriage or whatever it is. I just use them as an example. So like, I do wonder how that process is within the house. Like, how do you know that your child isn't then 
even just going to innocently be talking to their best friend. Like I wonder the conversations that go on about confidentiality. That is something I would love to really like examine and talk to different famous parents and see the way they handle it. Cause it's not something that your average person can relate to because the stakes are so much higher. That's a really interesting point. That's a very, very interesting point. Yeah. I wonder, I really do. Thank you. Anyway, so we will keep you guys posted on Brittany. And as always, we just wish her the best. I, uh, there's some bad energy from this situation and I really wish that she could be resolved with it. Yeah. Okay. Let us take a quick ad break and then we're coming back with some really great interviews that happened this past week. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candles, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So there were three big magazine interviews that happened this week. Harry Styles, Zendaya, and Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney. Harry for Vogue, Zendaya for L, and Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney for Rolling Stone. We're not going to get too in-depth into all of them, but we kind of just wanted to touch on each of them because they were great for different reasons. And I also think, how is Harry Styles going to be on the cover of Vogue and we're not going to talk about it? Like, that just feels absurd. So we'll do a little bit of a little bit of each. Do you like that plan? I love that plan. So the first one was Harry. He was on the cover of Vogue. He was the first man to appear solo on the cover in its entire 127-year history, which is unbelievable. He was in a Gucci jacket and dress. It was by Hatch Bowles. I just want to read two specific anecdotes. And the first said, Styles is big on friendship groups and considers his former and legendarily hysteria-inducing boy band, One Direction, to have been one of them. I think the typical thing is to come out of a band like that and almost feel like you have to apologize for being in it, said Styles. But I loved my time in it. It was all new to me, and I was trying to learn as much as I could. I wanted to soak it in. I think that's probably why I like traveling now, soaking stuff up. Which... We'll get to the second one in a second, but for me, it kind of just made so much sense that that was his takeaway because of the career that he's been able to have separate and apart from One Direction, you know? Yeah. This is always a topic that I'm interested in that you and I talk about a lot is the ability for artists to separate themselves in their next kind of era. So with Harry Styles, I think it's really easy for him to say he's so grateful for the One Direction phase, A, because he was a member of one of the largest pop phenomenons, one of the largest music phenomenons in history. So of course he's grateful to have had that, but also 
he's able to come out the other side of it and be this entirely independent artist that you almost forget was the same person as the Harry Styles that was in One Direction because he's able to express himself in a way that is so, so unbelievably unique to him and create a fan base that isn't just people that loved One Direction and now are following a solo career, but genuinely love him for him as a solo artist. And that is not the easiest thing to do. So I always love and appreciate when artists or actors are able to look at their previous era of work and say they're so grateful for it, never try to denounce it, never try and separate themselves from it too much. Um, because I think we as the fans of both the new era and the old era always appreciate that. But at the same time, it is really understandable, I think, when artists tend to do that because you can be so pigeonholed by your old self and your old work that you have this idea and this vision of what you want to be and what you want to become and where you want your career to go. And when you feel like you're being so held back by the past, I can imagine how unbelievably frustrating it is. And it seems almost like the only option is to then separate yourself as much as you possibly can. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost, it feels, I would imagine, easier to not harbor resentment when the association isn't as strong. You know, nobody forgets that Harry Styles is in one direction, but people view him as a very successful solo artist. We see this a lot with Disney stars. They're so frustrated with the constant association to Disney Channel because they feel like it's really hindered their solo careers. But then if you look at an Ariana Grande, for example, you know, her the last thing you think of when you look at her is victorious. You know what I'm saying? Because somehow she's been able to really disassociate, but I can completely understand the resentment one could have when the association just really sticks. So I just felt it was interesting to hear him say that. Yeah. It's a very fascinating conversation. You and I do talk about this a lot. You also see this a lot, not even when it comes to artists, but people that had very iconic childhood roles, for example, Josh Peck, and how he's kind of used that to take himself into this next era of his career. And so like he's really held on to it almost as a form of ammunition. You know, that's kind of the way that he made his way into David Dobrik's vlogs because it was Josh from Drake and Josh. And so it's just unique to kind of watch the way different people choose to hold on to their previous roles. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They also, of course, spoke a lot about his style and he kind of credits his transformation to meeting the stylist, Harry Lambert. Now he declares that, quote, you can never be overdressed. There's no such thing. The people that I look up to in music, Prince and David Bowie and Elvis and Freddie Mercury and Elton John, they're such showmen. As a kid, it was completely mind blowing. Now I'll put on something that feels really flamboyant and I don't feel crazy wearing it. I think if you get something, I think if you get something that you feel amazing in, it's like a superhero outfit. Clothes are there to have fun with and, ex- and experiment with and play with. What's really exciting is that all of these lines are just kind of crumbling away. When you take away, there's clothes for men and there's clothes for women. Once you remove any barriers, obviously you open up to the arena in which you can play. I'll go and shop sometimes and I just find myself looking at the women's clothes, thinking they're amazing. It's like anything. Anytime you're putting barriers up in your own life, you're just limiting yourself. There's so much joy to be had in playing with clothes. I've never really thought too much about what it means. It just becomes this extended part of creating something. He's just the best. Yeah, I just love that. It's really true though. You know, especially now we're in a time where that's becoming so much more accepted and fluidity is becoming so embraced. And again, it's like a it's, it's an important duality because on one hand, you want to commend Harry Styles and celebrate him. And also just remember, he's not the first one to do it. People were doing this years before him. Specifically, a lot of men are men of color were doing it years before him. So I think it's great that he pays homage to those that came before him because for a lot of people in the generation 
a little bit below us. Like he's their first introduction to that, which is totally fine. That just happens. But it's just important to remember like he didn't invent it, but it's incredible that he is so supportive and so empowering. Yeah, I think it's just a piece of who he is. I I think that this is just his style and he's so comfortable with that. And yeah, for a lot of younger people, this really is one of their first tastes at somebody of a power level and a star magnitude so large being able to play with the fluidity of clothing and gender um, and gender in clothing because they, you know, didn't necessarily know what it was like to grow up with Ellen John or Prince or anybody along those lines. But it's also the flip side of that conversation is that the critics, because that's also been a kind of hot topic that's been going around, especially in the last couple of days, the critics of the way that Harry's dressing also should remember that he's not the first person to do this. Both sides of the conversation should remember that when they're approaching, you know, Obviously, we had Candace Owens speaking about this, which is where this is, you know, kind of coming from. So there's so much discourse and conversation around it. And it's funny to see both sides kind of not putting the pieces together of what's been done before. Yeah. By the way, Harry is in this new movie with Florence Pugh called Don't Worry, Darling. And it's directed by Olivia Wilde. And Olivia Wilde got into it last night on Twitter with Candace Owens when Candace Owens was attacking Harry Styles for lacking masculinity based on the way he was dressing and Olivia kind of came back at her. But I just wonder, one, Olivia and Harry's friendship. And also, I just have to ask your opinion on this. Now that Florence Pugh and Zach Braff are no longer together and Harry is seemingly single, do you foresee a budding romance between the two of them? Or is that just bullshit and people who are both attractive and attracted to each other can it coexist in roles without any sort of speculation? Um, no, I, I definitely see that happening. I think a lot of people do. And not just because they're two single people doing a movie together. I There's definitely a lot of similarities between them and their vibe and their energy. So no, I would not. I mean, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I don't think there's anybody that would be surprised if it does. Zero percent, right? Remember how like when you were younger and you were like in high school at camp or whatever and like two people were going to hook up and they only hooked up once like everybody in the group had kind of like acknowledged the fact that it was going to happen? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Harry and Florence going into this movie together. Like that the rest of the world has kind of acknowledged that it could happen. So they have like a somewhat added layer of that going into it. Right. It's kind of like the go ahead. It's like the universal blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, into that, into both of them. Would love to see that. Obviously, would just watch any sort of romantic interaction involving Harry Styles because, goddamn. Same. Yeah. Also, Zendaya was on the cover of Elle, and it was called Zendaya is the Best Thing to Happen to Hollywood. So she was interviewed by Timothy Chalamet. They're starring together in this film, Dune. And just two of the excerpts that we thought were the most worthy of discussion, Timothy asked, in your speech, talking about when she won the Emmy for Euphoria, in your speech, you said that there's hope in young people, and it seemed as if hope was a big part of the message you were trying to get across. What in the past year has given you hope, and what does hope mean to you? And she says, well, my intention there was really just to be honest, because it feels like a very hopeless time, specifically in this country. I know a lot of my peers feel enraged and exhausted and tired of living and growing up in a system that feels like it wasn't built for us. At this moment in time, it's hard to find joy and beauty in things, and I really think that's important. Right now, we as Black people need to embrace joy and not let it be taken from us. And then he asked, 
The shooting for season two of Euphoria may not start until early 2021, but I know you guys shot a bridge episode in that safe environment. But that second season is happening, right? And you can, can you say anything about the second season or where Rue is heading without giving too much away? And she says, I can't really say too much about the in-between episodes, but I'm excited for people to see them. We're doing a little Christmas special to check in with everybody on Euphoria until we can get back to the full production, which probably won't happen until after I get back from filming the next Spider-Man movie, which is pretty soon. How fucking excited are you for it to come back? I did not anticipate being this anxious about a show's return the way I feel about Euphoria. But second of all, this woman works so hard. I mean, she's literally in the middle of season two of Euphoria or putting out episodes of the bridge episodes and then going into season two. Finishing Spider-Man, Dune with Timothy Chalamet. I think she has a couple of other projects going on. It's just, she is one hard worker. And also, you know, she's at a place in her career where she is just the hottest commodity right now. So obviously everyone's vying to get her into their project. So, I mean, I don't know how she makes time for it, but... Uh, it's unbelievable. I'm so proud to be in the same generation as her. She's really a wonderful representation. And I just think, I just, I cannot wait for her career to even take off more than it has now. She, to me, is like the epitome of the type of Hollywood that I'm proud of. Oh my God. Yeah, that was an amazing way of putting it. Yeah. And then lastly, Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift did this piece for Rolling Stone. It's called Musicians on Musicians on songwriting secrets, making albums at home, and what they've learned during the pandemic. The first in a series of new conversations between artists, which as we talk about a lot, I just think the format of this, whether it's Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney or Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet, there's something really unique when two people of similar accomplishments who are both so respected and royalty within their own fields come together because there are certain things that they can ask that a regular interviewer just does not have the knowledge to, you know, like there are things that they can pull from statements where your average person wouldn't think to because they've never experienced it. So I just, in general, I'm a huge fan of that format. Yeah, me too. Definitely. So I think the part of the conversation that got the most attention was they were talking about pseudonyms and Taylor Swift said, love a pseudonym. And Paul said, yeah, for the fun, but you know, let's face it, you crave fame and attention when you're young. And I just remembered the other day, I was the guy in the Beatles that would write to journalists and say, we are a semi-professional rock combo, and I think you'd like us. We've written over 100 songs, which was a lie, my friend John and I. If you mention us in your newspaper, you know, I was always like craving the attention. She says, yeah, I think when a pseudonym comes in is when you still have a love for making the work and you don't want the work to become overshadowed by this thing that's been built around you based on what people know about you. And that's when it's really fun to create fake names and write under them. And he said, do you ever do that? And she said, oh yeah. He said, oh yeah. Oh, well, we didn't know that. Is that a widely known fact? She said, I think it is now, but it wasn't. I wrote under the name Nils Joberg because those are two of the most popular names of Swedish males. I wrote the song called This Is What You Came For that Rihanna ended up singing and nobody knew for a while. I remembered always hearing that when Prince wrote Manic Monday, they didn't reveal it for a couple of months. So when this interview came out, you know there were so many articles that said, for a long time, Taylor Swift fans had speculated and then really pretty much come to know that she wrote this song, but she had never actually said it. So I can imagine how like gratifying that must have felt to finally hear her say it when it's been spoken about for so long, you know? Yeah. And also I had no idea that Prince wrote Manic Monday. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that until she said it. I love um, a music fact like that. That's like one of my favorite things. Me too. Also, 
when she was talking about just doing this conversation in general, she was saying that she got to his London office. It was in October. And she says, mask on, brimming with excitement. I work mostly from home these days. And today feels like a rare school field trip that you actually want to go on. I just loved that analogy because clearly she's talking about going to Paul McCartney's office, which is something most of us can't relate to. But that's a perfect analogy because you know that feeling of anticipation when you're about to go on a school field trip that you actually want to go on. And it's like, it's it doesn't feel like a burden. It actually just feels so exciting. Yeah. Oh my God. Those were the best. I just, it was like, that was one of those things where like it unlocks a memory you forgot you had. Yeah. That's when she was talking about that. I mean, this was just great. You know, these, this is music royalty, such talented artists speaking together, sharing facts and, and their own knowledge. And I just, I just love this. Those were all great reads. I know we could spend a lot longer on all of them, but I don't want to get repetitive. So highly recommend. Yeah. Quick break and then Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) I thought you'd never ask. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, let me first just start out by saying, spoiler alert for Grey's Anatomy fans. Again, I repeat, season 17 Grey's Anatomy spoiler alert. I'm sure that doesn't apply to most people. I think it's been out. Just just want to be sure so we don't get any like hate messages. <laughs> um, but Julie, I think you really should intro this because I can't fake the same passion that you have for the show. No, you cannot. Although I wish you could. <laughs> um, so obviously, as you guys know, the season 17 premiere of Grey's Anatomy, Thursday night, in the last couple of minutes of the show, they brought back Patrick Dempsey's character as kind of a, I think like a dream sequence is the way I would describe it. Um, And it was just the biggest shock. It was something that nobody saw coming and you know, the thing with Grey's Anatomy is that a lot of the big surprises in the show have to do with characters leaving. And TV has gotten to the place where when a character is leaving a show, you find out about it in advance. You know, it, it always comes out. It's never really a shock when that character leaves. It's always like a big announcement. So you then wait for the episode where they're going to then be killed off or they're going to leave and you say you do it, but you're never shocked by it. So I think just the sheer fact of having something left in Grey's Anatomy where you were just blown away by the surprise element of it 
was such an unbelievable feeling, but to also have it be your favorite character brought back was, I mean, it was the best part of 2020, I think. <laughs> I yeah. was so, no, you guys were so happy and it made me so happy. I obviously, I just had watched more intermittently over the years, but I still could recognize how big of a deal it was. But before I read the quote from Deadline, do you want to just give your general episode thoughts? Cause I'm sure people are curious on that. Oh my God. I would, I would love to just going back one second before you read the quotes and before I give my thoughts, I think that the other layer of why the element of surprise was so there is because I think in Grey's Anatomy, we've had so many circumstances where we've brought back other characters in kind of similar ways. A dream sequence or they've come back for one episode as a surprise. So it's no stranger to that. But no one was really sure the terms that Patrick Dempsey had left the show on. There were a lot of whispers about it and a lot of negative things um, kind of being said. So no one was really sure if that was even a possibility that would ever happen because we just didn't think that they were still on good terms. So to find out that, you know, everything's kind of right again was a really comforting, great feeling. And that was, you know, the biggest element of the surprise. My episode thoughts for those of you who watched are, I think that Amelia and Link, changing the baby's name, absolutely necessary, had to include Derek. And Joe and Jackson hooking up, I think they're endgame. Something I appreciate about Grey's Anatomy is I think those were two things that were really spoken about last season. Like I saw a lot of it on Twitter. So it's one of those things where you feel like your feedback is actually being heard because you see the changes being made in the season, which is always cool. Um, M, the episode got a little dirty, I'll tell you. I know. You don't really see that that much. I know there's always been like relationship stuff on Grey's, but not in the way that it was described, right? I mean, you definitely get a lot of sex scenes. We were kind of joking around because we were saying like, can they, can actors kiss during Corona? Like, is that kosher? And by the end of the episode, we were like, well, I guess technically they never kiss. Like it was one of those things. But there is one scene where like Amelia and Link, they're like laying in bed opposite each other. And you can like see their hands moving under the blanket. And he's like fingering her under the blanket. And you're like, is this allowed on ABC? It was wild. Let me tell you, there's nothing I love more than when ABC just like randomly doesn't care. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any other thoughts. I mean, it was two hours, which was insane um, because I also don't think we were expecting that. Um, I'm so excited for next week. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts and opinions, guys. I love hearing everyone's Grey's Anatomy thoughts. I can't see Julie's face right now, but I just know she's beaming. Like, I hear you smiling. Nothing makes you happier, I don't think, than talking about Grey's Anatomy with the exception of talking about Chance. I just love the show. And also, it's something where me and all my friends, like, we are all in it. We all are obsessed with it. It's all of our, like, comfort throw-on background show. So to be able to talk about it not only with them, but, like, also on a podcast is the best thing ever. I know. That's amazing. I love it for you. I like genuinely do. I get so happy. So they did this interview with Deadline, just kind of talking about the experience. And they asked, how was it looking at each other on set in character after so many years? And Patrick says, well, I have less eyesight than I used to, like laughing. It was great. It was really fun, very special. It felt really comfortable, incredibly safe. The whole process, I have to say, from getting tested before even showing up to the set, the whole process in which we shot, I felt safe the whole time. You felt the crew was protected. We had the outdoor space and it was easy. Then Ellen says, it felt great. Patrick and I have this chemistry where I think even from when we first met, for some reason, it just felt like we've known each other for a hundred years. And it's just the same feeling. It's like riding a bike. We just have a chemistry and a dynamic that's always served us well. And I think we have a genuine affection for each other. And it was very healing to come back 
and know that we're doing something good, putting out a positive story, a healing story, going to make people smile. And I think for me, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be at this place in the show where we can do this. We constantly get to rewrite. I don't want to say the ending, but we get to keep the rewrites going, which I guess you writers love, right? They love to start over, to scrap it and rewrite it and make it better. And that's what's fun about this process this far along. It's getting the opportunity to work with Patrick again and just coming up with ideas. How do we keep surprising the fans and how do we keep the quality of the show up? That's what makes it continue to be fun. Oh, it's just the best them. I love when they talk about their chemistry. Same. I, I, I like would do anything for you to rewatch the show. I know. I used to watch it. I really I had think, a couple. I think you would like be very into that idea. I love the idea of it. And when I used to watch with my mom, I loved it. It just, and I think a lot of people can relate to this when you're so far behind, it feels overwhelming. It's a lot of, it's the same reason why a lot of people don't start like a housewives franchise when it's already eight seasons and we're 17 seasons in and I immediately had like four, you know, I so get it. I don't think you should watch it with the intention of catching up. I think you should watch it with the intention of like, this is a show that I can watch in order. It can last me a really long time. If I ever want something to put on, I can just pick up where I left off and just slowly chip away at it because it's an amazing show that you'll genuinely like. I don't think you have to watch it for the purpose of being like, okay, let me get 17 seasons down as quickly as possible and catch up to where everyone else is. I think you should watch it for the purpose of like, it's genuinely a show I think you will just like re-fall in love with. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. Actually, definitely right. Yeah. Also- it appears like we're going back into quarantine. Not that I ever really left or you ever really did, but I think more strict quarantine is probably going to happen with the rising rates. So A, Grey's Anatomy is such an amazing thing to watch because it will take up so much of your time just for everybody. If you haven't watched it or you want to rewatch it. Um, I recently rewatched it from the beginning and it was literally the best decision I made. I did it at the beginning of quarantine. And also there's so many other shows that are out that are coming back that are just going to take up your time and it's the best possible timing for it. Um, Queen's Gambit is out on the undoing with Nicole Kidman's out a teacher on Hulu, which I think you're really going to like. So there's so much coming out and so much back, which is just the, it's the best possible timing for it. All American coming back is what I'm the most excited about. That's right. I can't wait. I can't wait. And and I, I should have, you know, I watched the first episode of the Queen's Gambit and, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Tell me. I don't know. I didn't even tell you. Well, it wasn't, it, it, you know, to be honest, it wasn't necessarily voluntarily, but I was very open to doing it and um, it was great. So I'll see if I can keep up. Also, before we move on to Chris Evans, did you see the video that JLo posted of Max and Emmy from last night behind the scenes? That's so sweet. Are you kidding me? That is so sweet. I know. I know. It's unbelievable. Oh my God, that is adorable. You guys have to look. She posted a video from behind the scenes when they were going on the Zoom at the People's Choice Awards to surprise her. That was really special. Oh anyway, last thing we just wanted to mention, this isn't like really news, but we got it sent to us so many times. Allie Raisman had posted this Instagram story of Chris Evans in this cable knit sweater holding this adorable puppy. And everybody is like, okay, wait a second. Are they dating or are their dogs just hanging out? Like what's going on? All of the articles say Chris Evans and Allie Raisman had puppy play date. So I don't know. I don't know if they've been friends for a long time and we just knew nothing about this relationship. I don't know if they're dating. If your first thought is how old are they? I wrote down the ages because I had that first thought too. She's 26. He's 39. I have literally no idea this could genuinely just be a dog play date. However, if I'm going to look at Chris Evans holding a dog in a cable knit sweater, like I'm happy for that content regardless of how it came into the orbit. 
And every day I log on to Instagram and I say, I hope I come across Chris Evans holding a puppy while wearing a cable knit sweater. And the fact that that actually happened is pretty crazy to me, huh? <laughs> yes. And the fact that it happened via Allie Raisman's story, like that just, that just was random, no? Incredibly random. I have no idea how to even analyze that. I know so many people sent it to us. I don't, I, I don't even know because it was just the most random pairing I've seen. It seems like they've probably been friends for a while if they're having dog play dates. I don't know if they're dating, but that, I mean, I'm here for it if they are. I'm obviously here for it. I really like her. She's a very strong woman. She's also beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we saw that and we loved it as much as you guys probably did. I just love any of that type of content, but you have to wonder, like, listen, she knows she's posting that and there's going to be some stories written up about it. So I wonder the intention. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Shall we get into the Kardashian recap? I would love to. It's brief this week. We're just going to start out with this Chloe and Tristan unfollow stuff. So it was actually funny because when right after we had recorded our bonus show last week, which was the season finale recap, it was like a great episode, and we were about to release it. And then all of these articles dropped like, Chloe Kardashian unfollows Tristan Thompson. And Julie texted me and was like, fuck. Are we going to look really stupid if we just recorded this entire episode sounding kind of hopeful about them and then this happened? Which we then kind of walked through and were like, no, we were just judging it based on what happened in the episode. But articles have come out and said like she didn't unfollow him. She just never refollowed him after the entire thing happened. I genuinely don't know. Like it sounds familiar that she didn't refollow him. However, I don't have like a running list of who they follow and unfollow because I don't like to pay it too much mind. So Personally, for me, my gut is going to tell me she never refollowed him and there was nothing weird about this. But like, you know, don't uh, don't quote me on that. But that's my initial feeling. Yeah, I don't think she ever refollowed him. I think that was one of our initial thoughts when we were going through it. Because like, as you were saying, I was like, are we going to look so dumb after this episode? And one of the things that you and I both said were like, A, the conversation about them getting back together based on that episode was just is it logical and reasonable for Chloe to trust him again in order to get back together? It had nothing to do with what's going to happen after the fact. So I don't feel ridiculous for having that conversation because I can absolutely understand um, based on the episode and from her perspective, what happened to make them get back together. And B, anytime something comes out about a celebrity, like Chloe and Tristan, for example, if they don't follow each other, apparently no one is keeping a running list of these things because somebody is then going to go and check if they're following. And based on the timeline of something coming out, they'll say it was because of that. Meanwhile, it never happened in the first place. And I think that was clearly just what happened here. I know we've had that conversation about that happening a lot of different times. I think it had something to do with Larsa the last time where like all of them unfollow. And meanwhile, most of them had unfollowed in shifts much, much previous to that point. So it's just something to keep in mind when you see those stories circulating. Yeah, I have... I have no idea, but I don't think it means anything right now. Also, wait, I was about to say something about Kim's birthday vlog, but can we just vent for a second? Sure. We never even talked about it because I feel like we just want to remove it from our minds. But these fucking ads that Scott and Kylie do, I don't know why I get so annoyed about it. It has nothing to do with me. I get it. It's probably a quick 500 grand that they're making. I get it. Fine. But it's like, are you fucking serious? What is this bullshit? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like when Kylie poses with all of these Louis bags and it's like, win everything in this picture. Just follow these people. It is legit. We've looked it up. There's a company that does it. 
the people, the winners have been verified. It's not a scam. It's not like you enter and you don't have a chance of winning. You do have a chance of winning, but it's like, I think there are so many people that are so much less accomplished and legitimized than the Kardashians that would never take that type of ad deal because it's such a bad look. And they just don't give a shit, which like, no shame, I guess. But I, to me, I find it so bizarre and so off-putting. And I can't believe that would come across Kris Jenner's desk. And she's like, yeah, like they have so many other ways to make $500,000. This is how you're going to do it? I don't know. It's very, very weird. I, I don't even have an explanation or a thought process behind it because I will never, ever understand it. Like, again, Scott doing it is one thing, but Kylie, really? I, I just, I personally, for me, for us, our little 1.6 million followers, comparatively speaking to theirs, like, there's no amount of money that could make me do that because I would feel like it's such, such a slap in the face to our followers almost. I know, but I guess they just, I guess they don't feel that way. I don't know. It is just weird. It feels like a slap in the face to yourself to like stoop that low. But I mean, I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to judge? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm not judging. I'm more so just like very fucking curious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really don't. But anyway, back to Kim's birthday vlog. She had uploaded this vlog from their trip and then she deleted it and re-uploaded it and was like the new and improved birthday vlog. And at first people thought she had cut Tristan out, but my gut feeling as to why it happened was because, and I noticed this the first time, there was like a three second shot where she panned to the pool and you see Rob shirtless in the pool and he looked totally fine. It wasn't that, but I think that he probably did not give her permission to post that and she probably was an oversight, didn't realize it. And I can only imagine how like upset and probably violated he felt this is just my reaction i have no idea if that's true but that's what was cut out of it so it would make sense if that were the case right Um, if that were the case so i can only imagine like oh my god that conversation yeah i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if that was the case and it's obviously just goes to show there's still a lot going on with rob behind the scenes and i'm sure it wasn't a difficult conversation because i think they know him well at this point um But yeah, that is an interesting thought process if that's why um, she uploaded the new one. She must have. It's the only thing that was cut out of it. Yeah. He's been, I mean, the thing with Rob, I can imagine, if this this is the case, right? Because that's what everybody was speculating. It's like, just because other people are saying to you, you look great. Like I saw that video the first time and I was like, wow, Rob looks great. You know, but I'm just, I don't know. As you know, I've worked very hard to like not focus on people's bodies first. I like had to retrain that because I don't want to do that to myself, whatever. That's a side conversation. Um, but like, he's just getting comfortable getting back in the public eye. And I think that that was probably a step that felt like way too intimate for him. And then it was taken for him, which I could imagine was really upsetting. So I'd be curious as to how that all went down. But that to me is why I think there was the free upload. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Anything else Kardashian wise you want to mention? No, I don't think so. Anything you want to? No. I don't think so. It was a pretty quiet week, to be honest. All right, kid. Okay, I think that's all. We love you guys. This is a little bit of a mishmash, but hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, we will see you either Wednesday or Thursday for our Kardashian bonus show, and Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. We also are doing two interviews this week that I think will be really fun, so hopefully we will integrate those into the content this week or next. So we love you guys, and as always, just thanks for listening. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning... 
There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.